I'm Margaret Brennan, and welcome to Facing Forward, a new podcast featuring in-depth interviews with the business leaders and policymakers shaping your world. There's a new administration in the White House, and President Biden will now have to figure out how to conquer the pandemic that continues to claim U.S. lives and choke the U.S. economy. Let me be very clear. Things are going to continue to get worse before they get better. The death toll will likely top 500,000 next month. 400,000 Americans have died. That's more than have died in all of World War II. 400,000. This is a wartime undertaking. A highly contagious new strain of the virus is complicating matters. And now there are other new virus mutations spreading around the world and possibly here in the U.S., Today, we'll be talking to Francis D'Souza, the CEO of Illumina. Through its work with the CDC, Illumina has helped to detect some of the very first cases of the UK variant, or B117, reported here in the US. When you get HubSpot Sales Hub, it's like getting a new teammate, an efficient, organized, helpful teammate who's also super easy to work with. The kind of teammate who reduces everyone else's busy work with a new prospecting workspace. A teammate who keeps the entire team focused and on track with easy-to-use deal management tools. A teammate who won't jockey for your promotion or microwave leftover shrimp scampi in the break room. Learn how you can close deals faster and crush your revenue goals with Sales Hub at HubSpot.com sales. We're excited to have you on the podcast, Francis. How are you? I am doing well. Thanks for having me, Margaret. I'm excited to be here. Uh, Your company, Illumina, which is a a public company, it's in the private sector, you conduct genomic sequencing, which is what scientists use to understand how infectious diseases spread and how they evolve. So for all of us who weren't science majors in college, (laughs) how do you actually do that? Sure. So what we do at Illumina is we provide the machines and the software that allows our customers to start with biological samples. So it could be you know, blood, saliva, uh, and you take those biological samples and our machine then reads sort of the, DNA, the, the genomic data in that sample. So it could be DNA, and in the case of this virus, it's RNA. And then we'll spit out on the other side a report with all the sequences uh, in that biological sample. Uh, There's an awful lot that goes into the machines we build, a lot of molecular biology, a lot of chemistry, a lot of uh, AI and and, and, uh, computer processing to go from that biological sample to the report that we provide. And you do this for all sorts of different viruses? Yeah, we do it for any biological sample. And so, you know, today we serve at Illumina about uh, over 7,000 customers in 130 countries. And our customers include uh, CDCs uh, who are looking for pathogens and trying to identify emerging pathogens. And we were in Wuhan in December uh, 2019, uh, involved uh, when the team, the CDC team there, was trying to identify the cause of what was then called this, you know, pneumonia of unknown origin. And the first uh, viral genome that was published on January 10th was actually published by a team at the Shanghai Public Health Clinic using our sequencers. On COVID generally, how many different types of it exist in the world? Do we know? Well, the virus is continually mutating. And so, you know, a coronavirus typically mutates about two to three times a month. And so you can expect to see, you know, many, many different types of virus with different mutations on them. Now, 
you know, two to three times a month sounds like a lot. It's not as frequent as uh, an influenza virus, for example, that mutates on average 10 times a month. And, and, and we follow those strains to try and identify not only just how the virus is mutating, which is important information to have because you're trying to figure out, does that mean our diagnostic tools will fail because the virus has mutated enough? Does that mean our vaccines will continue to be effective, our therapies? But you also want to track these mutations to try and identify how is this virus spreading? And that gives you insight that you can use to make policy decisions, for example. Uh, for example, you could decide to shut down travel to a region if you know, that's the, the place where you know, your infections are coming from. Mm-hmm. And by most accounts, the U.S. hasn't been doing a very good job of this. Um, we've reported more deaths due to COVID than any country in the world. And according to one ranking, we're about 43rd in the world for genetic sequencing. If we had better sequencing, would that help us avoid further death? I think more sequencing uh, is important in terms of fighting the pandemic. And you're right. Uh, although, you know, in the U.S., we are a source of some of the innovations in sequencing, uh, we have lagged behind uh, over 40 countries, as you point out, in terms of just how much we're sequencing. So on average in the U.S. right now, we are sequencing about 0.3 percent of the positive cases that we're seeing. Now, to get a good understanding of what's happening, you really need to be sequencing about 5% of the positive cases, as well as sampling the negative cases. Now, for comparison, you know, uh, countries like the UK that are leading are closer to sequencing about 10% of all positive cases. Why aren't we doing this already? One of the challenges here in the US is that there hasn't been a, uh, a coordinating force. There hasn't been a central coordinating force across the nation And so what's happening is you're seeing pockets of sequencing. And so, you know, different labs, different health systems are making their own decisions about whether to sequence or not. And then uh, some of them are uploading the data that they sequence into the public domain. Now, that's different in other countries. In In the UK, for example, because they have a national health system, you know, there is a coordinated effort happening around sequencing. And so that's one of the things I think that we really need here. You know, we need a, uh, a national initiative around genomic surveillance. Uh, we need a coordinating central body around how to manage the, the, the flow of samples, you know, and then also uh, the, the funding associated with, with those labs actually sequencing, you know, the samples they get. So the Biden administration says it wants to do some of that by investing in both sequencing and surveillance. So how would that work? Does the CDC need to ask private companies like yours to help them do it? You know, there is hope, as you said. Uh, If you look at the Biden American Rescue Plan, uh, in it, uh, there are details around increasing funding for surveillance capacity at levels demanded by the crisis. And so there's definitely a thought that we need to... uh, to increase funding for surveillance, that's one aspect of it, and also create a a central group that that will coordinate this. And then the central group will also help make sure that the the samples from infected patients are getting to the right labs and that the data is being shared in the public domain. If we did more sequencing, could we then do things like say, hey, Montana, shut down your restaurants, but Wyoming, you can stay and continue working. Thus, your economy can continue to grow. Is it that simple? 
It's it's that straightforward. However, I'd say one of the, the most eye-opening moments uh, here in the U.S. of this pandemic was the realization early last spring that we had the virus circulating in the U.S. for weeks and we didn't know it. And what that meant was we had no idea that there was you know a pandemic starting in building and it, it created the realization that we do need this genomics-based pathogen surveillance network. We need a network that will tell us if there is another coronavirus circulating or if we're even under a bioterrorist attack or if there's emerging antimicrobial resistance anywhere in the world or if there's another zoonotic transmission you know, from an animal into, in, into the human population you know, that's spreading uncontrolled. And so there's this moment, this realization that we actually wouldn't even know if we were under attack. So instead of waiting weeks and months before we know we're under attack, it could be hours or days. And that makes a huge amount of difference in terms of being able to control you know, an outbreak before it becomes a pandemic. Also, if you are sequencing earlier and getting the genomic data of the pathogen earlier, that gives vaccine developers and therapy developers a head start. You know, if you talk to companies like you know, Moderna or BioNTech, they'll tell you that it was the publication of the viral genome on January 10th, 2020, that really kicked them off in terms of developing the vaccine. And so the earlier you catch it, the earlier you get vaccines and therapy. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. When you choose Organic Valley, not only will you be enjoying great tasting dairy, you'll help to save over 1,600 small organic family farms who are protecting over 400,000 acres of organic farmland and all the plants and animals that call it home. This is dairy you can feel good about. It's great tasting, high-quality organic dairy, ethically sourced from small organic family farms. To find Organic Valley Dairy near you, visit ov.coop. That's ov.coop. I want to ask you next about the mutations of the virus. Um, is it B117 or B117? What do you call the UK strain? We call it B117. You call it that. So that's the technical name for what you refer to as the strain that was first detected in the United Kingdom. It's highly contagious, but it's here in America now. The CDC says it's going to be the dominant strain by March. Exactly how much of the virus is here? Do we know? Well, working with our partners uh, like the CDC and Helix, we have now identified 74 cases of B117. Now, that's up from uh, 51 cases that were reported on the 6th of January. We've identified uh, cases now in seven states. So, you know, Texas, Minnesota, uh, Indiana, in addition to California, Florida, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. 
and it appears to be on the rise. So last week, B117 infections represented 0.17% you know, of the total infections we were seeing here in the US. And in a week, that's gone from 0.17 to 0.27. Now we know it's much more transmissible than some of the other strains we're seeing. So we fully expect that it'll start to become a more dominant strain in terms of the infections we're seeing here in the US. So the UK found this mutation because they do sequencing. But correct me if I'm wrong, that doesn't mean that's where the virus actually came from, right? That's exactly right. They found it because they have uh, more sequencing and are just looking better than other places. It absolutely doesn't mean that it came from there necessarily. Do we know where it came from? And is answering that question important to how you treat it? At this point, we're not sure where it came from. And, you know, over time, it will be important to sort of track, you know, the spread of this virus. Uh, However, at this point, and especially in terms of treating it, it isn't essential to know where it came from. What is essential and, and is taking place is to understand, you know, with every one of these new strains that we're seeing, whether it'll impact the efficacy of, of our uh, tools to fight the pandemic, whether it'll affect the efficacy of our uh, diagnostic tools and, or, and our vaccines and our therapies. And so you have the, the manufacturers of the tools and the vaccines and the therapies testing against these strains as they emerge uh, and reporting their results. That's important. And what we know to date is that the UK strain seems to be responsive to our current therapies, but it's the strain out of South Africa that there is early reporting on that indicates it may be resistant to certain treatments. That's B1351, right? Yeah, B1351, exactly. How much and of it here? Do we know? You know, it's, it's early at this point. We have more data, as you said, on uh, B117, and the data there is encouraging that, you know, our existing, you know, therapies uh, hold up uh, against B117 is the data we're seeing so far. You know, it's we're getting very early data on 3151, uh, and at this point, it's too early to call whether it, it escapes. Now, the vaccines are targeting, you know, the, the spike protein of the virus, and it will take you know, a lot of mutations uh, for the, the vaccines to fail. Uh, and so we'll have to see, you know, what the results would uh, B1351 are. Um, and, you know, at some point, it there may emerge a strain that, you know, the, the vaccines aren't effective for. Now, the good news is, you know, those vaccines can be updated pretty quickly, but then they'll have to go through the, you know, the testing uh, before they get released. We spoke on Face the Nation to the incoming CDC director who emphasized she wants to focus on sequencing and surveillance. She mentioned the Brazilian strain. She mentioned a strain out of Nigeria. How worried should we be about those? What do we know about them? You know, we're going to continue to find uh, uh, new strains around the world. And the ones that will propagate are going to be the ones that are the most transmissible. And so, you know, uh, you, you will, will that this will just continue to emerge. Um, the important thing is to watch the results of the tests that the vaccine developers are doing and some of the therapy developers. Um, and again, it's inevitable. And this may be, you know, days, this could be weeks, this could be months from now or even years from now, but it's inevitable that there will be some strains that do require 
modifications of the vaccines that we have today. The vaccine developers know that, they understand what it would take to modify you know, their vaccines. Uh, and so we just have to, we have to stay on top of it though, because at this point it's, it's a foot race between how fast we're rolling out the virus and how fast the virus is, is, is mutating and spreading around the world. The nominee to be the Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, testified this week that the Biden administration is going to try to raise corporate tax rates, but she said they're not going to return them to where they were. So right now they're at 21 percent, this flat rate. And before President Trump lowered them, they were in a range between 15 percent to to an effective rate of as high as 39 percent. What would raising the rate above current levels do to your business? It's a it's a complicated uh question to answer without knowing all the puts and takes. Uh, so for example, you know, we want to see the specifics around not just, you know, the headline number of what the tax rate, corporate tax rate is on average, but also things like, you know, how um, how does the, the, the proposed, uh, you know, tax uh, code work around things like research and development credit, uh, you know, uh, revenue from outside the U.S., for example, or profit. So you know, there's a lot of details that we'd have to work through to really assess what the implications would be. But the argument against it often is that that would hurt your ability to hire or, you know, any any bite taken out of corporate profits comes at a cost ultimately somewhere. The other argument against it from the left is, you know, that corporations should pay their fair share. Do you see this as um, an argument that's going to dominate the next four years is: Are you concerned about it? You know, I I definitely think it will be a a topic of conversation and debate, and, and as it should be, uh, both in terms of what the fair rate should be, as well as what the uses of those funds are. You know, how are we going to think about investing in America, whether it's on uh, training or education? And so both in terms of sources and uses of funds, I think there should be sort of a very vigorous debate. Candidly, though, I think the more urgent conversations in the near term are going to be around the pandemic and how we get people through the pandemic safely and quickly. Um, I think there are going to be conversations, too, around, you know, how we continue to, you know, uh, drive American leadership in key areas globally uh, of, of the, eco- the global economy, uh, but also in things like, you know, climate change, for example. And so I think there are going to be a lot of very important conversations that play out. And, and in the near term, I think the pandemic is probably going to be the single most important. Yeah. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. 
On the pandemic front, the Treasury Secretary nominee also testified that having a paid leave and childcare policy in the U.S. would help uh, the jobs crisis that women in particular have felt. Do you agree with that? And, and what are you doing at your own company on those policies? Yeah, I think there's a lot more we could do to support, uh, you know, to support flexibility in the workplace, especially in times of need, uh, specifically, you know, in times of illness or if, if uh, you know, families have ch- a baby, for example. Um, so, you know, from our perspective as a company, you know, for this pandemic, you know, what we're doing is, you know, about a third of our employees come into uh, an Illumina workplace to build the machines, you know, that that we need to build to support customers that are, whether they're fighting the pandemic or in cancer centers. And so, you know, we the, the work we do is, is, is essential for, you know, for those efforts. And so about a third of our employees do come in. We've done a lot in terms of uh, retooling our workplaces, you know, uh, in, in terms of social distancing and, and and just lots, you know, cleaning the office, upgrading the, the ventilation, just a lot we've done in terms of ensuring that our workplaces are safe. And then for two thirds of our employees, uh, they work from home. And so, you know, we have enabled them to, uh, you know, to be remote and be productive from home. But should there be a government mandate on some of those specifics? I think in in some cases there should be, um, you know, and, and again that's going to be the, the 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 debate that plays out on yeah. how much and, and for what and for how long. But I do think you know we need to look harder at you know supporting uh, supporting you know the, the the people that work. The Trump administration strongly suspected that patient zero came from a research lab in Wuhan. Maybe it was an accident. How important is it to find out the origin of this virus? You called it zoonotic, meaning it went from an animal to a human. What does pinning that down exactly when it happened prove or give us? And can you tell something like that from the work that you do? I think... uh... Over time, it will be important uh, to understand, you know, how this pandemic started. But at this point, it's not the priority. At this mm-hmm. point, the priority has to be, you know, understand how the virus is spreading, get the vaccines out as fast as possible, stay on top of strains as they emerge, so that we know that our tools will continue to be effective. Adjust our tools, you know, if the virus continues to mutate. So. Right now, you know, my perspective is it's really all hands on deck to get us out of the pandemic. And then once we get out of the pandemic, I think there's very important uh, research we can do to prepare us for the next one, including understand the or understanding the origins of this one. But that is not the priority right now. The priority right now is let's, let's get through this pandemic. Do you think we'll ever know? Um, I think I'm hopeful, but there's lots and lots of, you know, the, the beautiful thing about uh you know, RNA is, you know, you can start to track histories, you can see mutations, and you can go back and see, well, what came from what, and you start to build up these trees. Um, so I, I'm, I'm hopeful. Francis D'Souza, thank you for sharing your insights and for your time today. Thank you, Margaret. Thank you for listening to the first episode of Facing Forward. New episodes are available every Friday. Join us each week as we make sense of our changing world together. I'm Margaret Brennan. You can also find me on your CBS network broadcast station Sunday mornings on Face the Nation 
or on our digital network CBSN at 10.31 and 4 p.m. Sundays or through our CBS All Access app. Facing Forward is produced by Face the Nation's Richard Escovito and Kelsey Miklas. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platforms and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Hey, it's Matt Norlander with the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, and it is tournament time, people. So listen to the one podcast that will cover every upset, Cinderella, Bracket Buster Sleeper. We've got it all covered, every round, reaction shows, all the way up through the championship game in Glendale, Arizona. To find us, search Eye on College Basketball podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.